in these difficult and dark times, heaven keeps giving us a literal thread of hope in messages. And we've been marveling at just how consistent this thread of hope has been. We want to talk about that next on Countdown to the Kingdom. Hello, I'm Mark Mallet from Countdown to the Kingdom and the NowWord.com. And I am joined from his beautiful new studio in uh, New York State. Daniel, is it, uh, it, you're, you're glowing there. It looks like you're a father again. Is that true? Uh, yeah, yet, yet again. So we've had a bit of a delay here, which uh, we certainly didn't want it for itself. But I've been busy getting everything ready for the arrival of the baby and then uh, dealing with the fact that we now have five little little uh human beings running around in our house but yes john paul our fifth child arrived uh almost uh, a few weeks ago today and thanks be to god all is well there and i'm uh, happy to be back with uh with you here now mark yeah we we apologize folks so we had a lot of people writing say where'd you guys go but that's basically it it's been it's been a difficult time getting together and we just wanted to give uh, daniel some space uh, to welcome this new member in the family, and we hope that when he's awake one of these days, we can get him on the on the show. Here. Yeah, he's he's going to have to do a cameo soon, I think. Maybe with some of his siblings also, because my my other kids they love the uh, the webcast with Mr. Ballot. They do. Well, well, maybe maybe we could even give the little duffer five minutes just to share with us some some insights from the womb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, it's good. It's good to be back with you, and um, we're we're both of us are very excited about the topic today because it, it, you can't miss it if you're a regular reader of Countdown to the Kingdom. It, you you couldn't have missed this thread of hope that God keeps extending to us, and as I said, it's a literal thread of hope that God's offering us, and that's the Holy Rosary. And, you know, just as I say that, it's eliciting, I know, certain groans from certain people. Perhaps evangelicals are going, that's idolatry! Uh, You worship Mary! And all these things. And we we understand there's all these things uh, and objections out there that people have. But what we can say this is time, time and history have proven that this devotion which is based on the gospel, meditating on the gospel messages, has proven itself time and time again. In fact, I'll quote John Paul II, who said, The grave challenges confronting the world at the start of this new millennium lead us to think that only an intervention from on high, capable of guiding the hearts of those living in situations of conflict and those governing the desires of nations, can give reason to hope for a brighter future. And he goes on then to present the rosary as a solution that has delivered Christians literally from from uh, attack, physical attacks, from from armies, from spiritual attacks. And so there's something powerful about this rosary, Daniel, and we wanna we wanna talk about that today. Yeah, it needs to be extolled. I mean, if you read these messages on Countdown, certainly for these uh, these years it's been going, but even decades and decades before the same seers we have on Countdown and the seers that just are, are uh, universally known throughout the church, this common thread, literal thread, as we said, is this singular weapon against the devil 
to hasten the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, to mitigate the chastisements, to attain above all the salvation of souls. This one specific thing, the rosary. So, uh, you know, Mark said we might be hearing some groans right now from <clears throat> maybe uh, certain non-Catholic viewers who see it as idolatry. I think we're probably also hearing groans now maybe from some Catholics who just are thinking to themselves, well, we've We've heard this all before. We know the rosary is good. But I, I hope that even those people will stay tuned because we're going to have some things to share today that, w that will probably be new for you. And I think they'll really drive home, I hope and I pray, the importance of the rosary for you and for the whole church, the apocalyptic eschatological importance of the rosary, which is very difficult to overestimate, yeah. almost impossible to overestimate. That's right. And that's why we're calling this show today the Powerhouse because we want to mm -hmm. we want to talk about it and reflections of this Powerhouse of the Rosary and, and people know this people all over the world know we Catholics pray the Rosary. It started right from the very beginning in Genesis chapter three, where when Adam and Eve fell into original sin, God turned to the serpent and said that I will put enmity between you and the woman and between you and her offspring. And now in the Dewey Rames, which is a translation from the Latin Vulgate, it says that she shall crush thy head and that you will, 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 bite at her heel basically and so in in for centuries now even the church fathers talked about this uh about this woman who crushes the head of the serpent but in in truth john paul ii said that the latin actually doesn't agree with the original hebrew text and that that's true the original hebrew says that uh he will bite at your heel uh, of of the the offspring of he so he will crush your head. That is her offspring, Jesus. He will crush your head and he, the serpent, will bite at his heel. And But John Paul II, knowing that we've got these two translations out there, you know, one attributing the, the crushing of the head of the serpent, Satan, to Our Lady or that of her offspring, he makes the point that, look, it, it really is saying the same thing. As the footnote in the Dewey Rome says, the sense in Dewey Rome says, it says the sense is the same, for it is by her seed, Jesus Christ, that the woman crushes the serpent's head. And I might right. add to that, remember how Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, 19, I believe, he said how I am giving you full authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions. Mm. So the idea that we have to have, that only Jesus can be the one who crushes the head of the serpent is a contradiction of Jesus' own words. He yeah. gives his authority to us. And, and Daniel, who, who has more uh, power, in a sense, than the second Eve, Our Lady, Mary, who through her, her obedience undid the knot of the disobedience of Eve, and by her mm -hmm. yes to God, brought Jesus into the world. So it's true that she has a direct cooperation in our salvation because of her yes in allowing Jesus to come into the world. So we go right back again to the Bible and how this woman does have a profound role and we see her reprisal again in Revelation 12 where the serpent again is wanting to devour her the, the child that she's giving labor to. So this is through all of salvation history how Our Lady is playing a key role. And again, the church fathers were the ones who interpreted, not interpreted, but developed what was passed on to them from the apostles and why we can now sit here today and tell you these are the things that Christians have believed for 2,000 years. 
Exactly. This is indeed from the beginnings. And there's th those who would who would rebel against this devotion and Marian devotion in general, you're you're deferring to a, to a tradition that's only a few hundred years old in contradiction to a tradition that's 2000 years old. So please, uh, if you want to be like the early Christians, you will venerate Our Lady. You will understand that she is indeed the woman, the woman of, of the bookends of the Bible, Genesis and Revelation. And she's, of course, referred to as the woman in Genesis because she didn't physically exist yet. But she always existed in the mind of God. And he always knew that she would be the one and her seed. And we don't need to worry about the, the, the tension because the point is it's both. It's both Jesus and Mary conquering the devil. He is going to be completely defeated by both. And Our Lady, we know this from Catholic teaching, it, uh, this is dogmatic Catholic truth. It, I, th I believe it was in the document the apostolic constitution that promulgated the uh, immaculate conception i should have researched this before but the pope taught that she approached nearer to god than as near to god as is even possible for a creature so what this tells us is that the blessed virgin mary is the greatest creature possible no matter what has happened and no matter what will happen anytime in the future which we don't know all the details of of course she will always remain the greatest human person. Jesus, of course, is greater, but he's a divine person in the, who had a human nature. So you don't have to, ever have to worry that you're that you're going, as long as you're not worshiping Our Lady, which of course we don't. She's not God. She's, she's nothing compared to her son. But as long as you're not, as long as you're not violating those boundaries, you are never, uh, you never need to worry that you're being too focused on Our Lady or too devoted to her or too deeply venerating her. That's not even possible. Everything Every glory, every honor, every veneration given to Our Lady, Jesus accepts that as given to himself. There's no contradiction between the two. So that's, um, that's something to always keep in mind with the rosary. You might think, well, why such focus on Mary? Well, it's because it's also focused on Jesus. It's Christocentric, as Mark said. Yeah, you know, I, I've often said to people, you know, who, who say, well, you know, you Catholics, you know, you're, Mary is stealing Jesus' thunder. And I, I always say, no, she's the lightning that points the way to mm -hmm. Jesus, you know. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't steal his thunder. And, and what makes her so great, as you were saying, Daniel, what makes her so great? Well, Jesus said, whoever is least among you, whoever is the most humble will be exalted. And so there's no one more humble, more small, in all of salvation history than Our Lady, who may it be done to me according to your word. And so, before we, we delve any further into the rosary, I, I want to just bring up right now, because we're talking about Genesis 3.15 and this enmity between the woman and the serpent. Uh, first thing I want to do is quote John Paul II, who said, on a universal level, if victory comes, it will be brought by Mary. Christ will conquer through her because he wants the church's victories now and in the future to be linked to her. And again, this is very biblical what John Paul II is saying. This woman who's going, you know, there's enmity between the woman and the serpent, and through her seed, he will be crushed. And so I want to take a moment, just Daniel, just to go to some of what the exorcists have been saying. Because I love going to the exorcist because we, one thing is that when, when demons are under obedience in an exorcism, they are compelled and must tell the truth if he's a good exorcist. And we, the, the one exorcist in, uh, I think he's Italy, I think his name is, well, Father Gabriel Amworth is probably the, the, uh, the most popular one that people know. 
But he, in one of his dialogues with the devil during an exorcism, the devil said, I'm more afraid when you say the Madonna's name than Jesus is because I'm more humi- humiliated by being beaten by a simple creature than by him. I mean, that's a profound thought. And I know some people are going, oh, wait a minute. There's no name greater than the name of Jesus. What are you saying? Listen carefully to what he's saying here. The devil's saying, hey, look, I know that Jesus is God, but I was defeated by this creature, by this humble little woman. I find that more humiliating and repulsive. And so um, he said also, the devil in an exorcism, he said that she makes me angry because she's the humblest of all creatures and because I'm the proudest, because she's the purest of all creatures and I am not, because of all creatures she is the most obedient to God and I am a rebel. So remember, Satan fell by envy and the envy for him is incarnational when it comes to Our Lady. The absolute envy that he was defeated by a woman, which I think, Daniel, is why we see such an attack on motherhood today through radical feminism and an attack on the purity of women through pornography. That's a whole other topic. Mm-hmm. But I think we're seeing that reflected in Satan's hatred of women because of the woman in Revelation woman, chapter yeah. 12. Yeah. And I would I would reiterate that. Just look at the what she said. And right after the incarnation, the Annunciation, you can't even imagine something greater than that. Pope Benedict XVI, he said the incarnation was the greatest event in our history. And indeed it was. The infinite God became human, became a man in the womb of the Blessed Virgin. That's, objectively speaking, in and of itself, that's an even more enormous feat than the Paschal Mysteries themselves. So, and I, so I agree with Pope Benedict XVI and his teaching that. And yet, what is the next thing Mary does after that? She goes into visitation to visit Elizabeth, and what does she say? She says, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. She's still calling herself lowly. She doesn't regard herself as anything. She's completely fixated on her son, on, on God, on Jesus Christ. And what are the last words that Mary speaks in the gospel? And of course, we know she spoke many things other than this. But in the gospel, the last words, I hope I get this right, that are recorded from Our Lady are, do whatever he tells you. That's what she always does. You don't have to ever worry that this is going to bring you to some sort of weird cultish sect. No, Our Lady always brings you to the will of her son. And that is reflected perfectly in the gospel. The last thing she, that is recorded from her in there is at the wedding feast of Cana. She says simply, and this is the key to everything, do whatever he tells you. That requires a great grace to do whatever Jesus tells us, whatever God tells us. But we will receive that grace through the mediation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And, and, and she's influential, brothers and sisters, because she's the mother of our Lord. You know, it's funny, Daniel, I was coming down the steps uh, to do this webcast, we took a little break, you and I, before, in, in our pre-production, and then my son stops me and he goes, you know, Daddy, there was an evangelical who posted, you know, a comment on YouTube saying something about how Mary, us Catholics got it wrong that Mary's the mother of God. And he he says, I left a comment and says, he says, you might have heard about that scripture where Mary gives birth to Jesus. <laughs> it, it, right. she, she gave birth to Jesus, who is God, mm. and... Mm. I, I turned to him and I said, and, and our, uh, Elizabeth actually said to Our Lady when she came to visit her, she said, Elizabeth said, how is it 
that the mother of my Lord should come to me. So Mary is a mother. She's Christ's mother, so she's very persuasive. And again, very persuasive when it comes to the devil. Uh, Father Amworth, again, another story from an exorcist. He said one of his colleagues uh, heard the devil say during an exorcism, every Hail Mary is like a blow on my head. If Christians knew how powerful the rosary was, it would be my end. And then Father Gabriel says, The secret that makes this prayer so effective is that the rosary is both prayer and meditation. It is addressed to the Father, to the Blessed Virgin, where invoking her prayers, and then to the Holy Trinity. And it is a meditation centered on Christ. So at this point, Daniel, I think we should take a moment just to explain what the rosary is very briefly most of our viewers know what the rosary is but i think we want to take a moment just now just to 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 even just to give a bit of the history of the rosary um mm-hmm. it, the rosary how it it came to be was in the in the early centuries the monastics would pray the office and they would base it on the 150 psalms but not everybody had access to the 150 psalms but they could they could pray along with the they'd hear the monastery bells bells ring if they were in their fields or wherever they were working and they would stop and they they had these beads and they would pray 150 our fathers uh on the beads as an echo of praying with and in union with the the monks who are praying uh, the 150 psalms in the office. And then later on, it was added, this this Ave Maria. And it was in uh, the 13th century that Our Lady appeared to and spoke to St. Dominic, and she asked him, she asked him to add this Ave Maria, the Hail Mary part, which is based solely on Scripture. So here it is. Hail Mary, full of grace. That's right from the Gospel of Luke. Now, if it's good enough for the angel Gabriel to say it, <laughs> if it's good enough for even Martin Luther to admit <laughs> that the mm-hmm. scriptures, these scriptures are infallible, it's good enough for me to say, Hail Mary, full of grace, because she still is in heaven now. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Of course. She, she bore him. She's the Theotokos, the mother of God. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. So, blessed art thou among women. That is also from Luke. And it, it comes from Our Lady's uh, Magnificat, I believe, where she says, all generations will call me blessed. Daniel, whenever somebody prays a Hail Mary, they're fulfilling prophecy each and every time. Mm-hmm. And so if you're fulfilling the Word of God, that alone has immense power. That alone gives immense right. glory to God and to the Word of God made flesh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you've and got s- to fulfill that. And then I would, I would beg Protestants to realize that is a mm-hmm. scriptural prophecy. Yeah. As all Christians are called to do their part in fulfilling that, are you calling her blessed? Well, those who pray the rosary every day, they're calling Our Lady blessed. How are you calling Our Lady blessed? Because she is. She is blessed. She is the most blessed. She is the highest honor of our race. That's also prophetically referring to Our Lady from Scripture. So we need to repeat that incessantly in our own lives. And so St. Dominic was given this prayer. He added the Hail Mary to it. 
And Pope Leo the Thirteenth, in um, I guess it would have been the late nineteenth century, he said, thanks to this new method of prayer given to Saint Dominic, piety. Now this is now he's telling us what happened from this. He says, piety, faith, and union began to return within the church that was struggling under at that time the Albigensian heresy. And the Pope said that all projects and devices of these heretics began to fall to pieces. Many wanderers also returned to the way of salvation, to Jesus, and the wrath of the impious was restrained by the arms of those Catholics who had determined to repel violence. And so, it's really interesting, Daniel, that it was during this Albigensian heresy that the rosary was given, this Hail Mary was given, and the rosary as we know it today was kind of fleshed out because we're kind of living an echo right now of the Albigensian heresy right now. Yeah, and it was extraordinarily uh, problematic then, but it wasn't apocalyptic then. It's apocalyptic now. We're seeing kind of a reiteration of the Albigensian heresy, not in all of its details, but Albigensianism, it had this Manichaean separation of body and spirit. It said that the spirit was good, you know, that was all made by the good God, but the body and all that pertains to the material world, that's evil. So what they do is it it comes across as this morally rigorous regimen to begin with, this asceticism, even they even rejected marriage. But what it turns into is something that looks much like the hedonism of today, because the Albigensians back then, they would uh, encourage basically concubinage instead of marriage, because all that stuff, it was deemed kind of irrelevant to what actually matters, which is just the spirit. You can basically do whatever you want with the body. And uh, it's fine, because that's, that's not the stuff that God made anyway. That's from the evil part. And this became this incredibly evil plague on the society that St. Dominic had to preach to. But what do we have today? We have a far more diabolical, far more universal application of those same fundamental tenets in the sexual revolution and in all of the evils. That, I mean, even think of transgenderism. People now saying that they're... Uh, they're born in the wrong body or something, that their body and their soul are fundamentally different things and that they can be a man even though they're a woman or vice versa. It's utter madness. And the rosary can combat all of that today just as it combated the Albigensian heresy back in St. Dominic's day. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's really remarkable. We, We were talking about that before this show. We are very struck by the parallels of the fact that marriage today again is you know we we've got a heresy big heresies going right now regarding marriage today yeah and the as, as we're filming this yeah I mean, as we're filming this today yeah on i was showing 13th i was showing that oh, so, yeah. oh i'm sorry i didn't even know yeah oh there yeah. it is right there yeah this is extra i mean this isn't even being noticed by mainstream media but this no. is extraordinary we had to dig it up this is yeah <laughs> we had to really dig i mean this but i watched it live because i was just so I mean, devastated by this, that this is my, and I'm a patriot, I love my country, I always will, but my goodness, has America really gone down the tubes? We now have, for the first time ever, federal law codifying same-sex so-called marriage. And and how di- how diabolical of them to put that in the same sentence as interracial marriage, which is completely fine and holy. There's every there's nothing wrong <laughs> with right. interracial marriage. Everyone knows that. I don't know of a single person who's against interracial marriage. That is a complete straw. Uh, well, they're out there, but for the wrong reasons. I mean, yeah, they're out there. I mean, I don't know. I don't know any of them. But it's just. But obviously, this is the gay marriage bill, and this is signed into law today by Biden. 
a formal blasphemous spit in your face rejection of god we've had legal so-called legal gay marriage so-called gay marriages for a while now in america but a lot of people don't realize it's all been from a court decision this was never actually codified in federal law well biden just did that today right and this this spitting in the face of god and this is another thing that the rosary can uh defeat this these these evils that we saw the the kind of beginnings of in the Albigensian heresy. They've exploded throughout the world in a way that St. Dominic never could have imagined. And yet the weapon that Our Lady gave him, the rosary, it is even more essential today than it was then, and yet it's just as powerful, even more powerful. That's right. And the reason it is so powerful, actually, um, and because we've been talking about the name of Mary and, and how the devils hate it. They hate the name of Mary. But make no mistake, John Paul II said, that the the power of the rosary really lies in the center of that prayer. And John Paul II said the center of gravity in the Hail Mary, the hinge as it were, which joins its two parts, is the name of Jesus, to which every knee shall bow and every tongue proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Alleluia, that day is coming. And, but John Paul II says sometimes in hurried recitation, and <laughs> believe me, I've heard some rosaries, I'm sure you have too, I've walked in with the, the old ladies at the front, and it's like an auction, eh? Hail Mary, for the grace of the Lord, I'm going to bless the Lord, I'm Jesus, holy God, this statue of Mary is sold! So, <laughs> I mean, so, and it's like, holy cow, like, what are you, what are you doing? And so... John Paul II, Papa says, sometimes in hurried recitation, this center of gravity, the name of Jesus can be overlooked. And with it, this is important, and with it, the connection to the mystery of Christ being complicated, uh, being contemplated. And so let me just stop there for a moment, because that's what we Catholics are doing during the rosary. We're not just, as Jesus said, he said, don't heap up words like the pagans. What the rosary is, is first of all, it's a repetition. We're repeating something just to create a rhythm of prayer. It's a form of meditation so that our minds can focus on the mystery. So we we have 20 mysteries uh, that we meditate on, on the life of Christ that also involve Our Lady. And we meditate on these mysteries of Christ's life. And we reflect on His, his life, His birth, His passion, His death. And through this meditation on Christ's life, we're reminded to imitate Him, to follow to Him, follow Him. We love Him, we worship Him, and we adore Him. And you evangelicals watching, you know the power of praise and how that too breaks strongholds in our lives. And praying the rosary breaks strongholds because we're, we're giving glory to Jesus. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. We're, we're worshiping Jesus in that moment. And so the Pope says, it is precisely the emphasis given to the name of Jesus and to his mystery that is the sign of a meaningful and fruitful recitation of the rosary. So, yeah, you can really not pray the rosary well, and it can be completely meaningless. Let's be clear about that. (laughs) Yeah, if you just kind of rattle it off, not even thinking, just willfully entertaining distractions, then you've kind of missed the purpose now i will i will note though that i remember reading a revelation of i I think i think it was a saint i think it was saint catherine uh sorry saint therese saint Teresa of avila 
I think she was told, and I hope I'm not quoting the wrong saint here. But You'll get purgatory if you get this wrong. I'll, yeah, I will. I'll be in trouble. <laughs> Speaking of which, she was told, I think it was a soul in purgatory, actually, maybe a saint, that even a Hail Mary poorly said is something so glorious. And I'm mm. not saying don't poorly say them. Because that's not that's that's not good. It's it's a million times better to say one hail mary with love than than dozens. We'll get to a quote from you, Mark, soon. I think on that, than dozens hurriedly without any love. But still, even one hail mary said hurriedly, kind of distractedly, even that is something so glorious that it would be worth suffering from now until the end of time, hmm. amid the worst torments possible, just to acquire. The heavenly merit gained from just that now please don't pray like that my point in bringing that up is simply if that's how much heavenly glory is attained by one hail mary poorly said imagine what you are gaining for all eternity this is the well, what we do here in these brief few moments on earth these ins this insanely short amount of time on earth is we build up the mansions that we will dwell in for all eternity which will have scarcely even begun once countless trillions of centuries have passed. The amount of merit you build up, imagine the amount of merit, the amount of glory you build up there, not to mention the salvation of souls you contribute to by praying a whole rosary every day. So as Mark said, we don't want to do this hurriedly and distractedly. We want to meditate on the mysteries. And But let's just be honest. We're, knowing how things tend to go, we will yeah. all be tempted to distraction you constantly, know, won't we? My spiritual director, I, I brought this to him once, Daniel. I said, man, I, I'm trying to pray the rosary. I said, I'm so distracted. This is so hard. I said, I start, and then my mind wanders. And he said to me, Father Robert Johnson from Madonna House was my spiritual director at the time. Beautiful, beautiful soul. He said to me, Mark, he said, One Hail Mary prayed with great love is more powerful than 50 undistracted Hail Marys. I've never forgotten that. So what he said is, look, just start again. Just say, sorry, Lord, I'm sorry, I drifted. Start again and pray that Hail Mary with love. And if that's the best you can do during that rosary, that one Hail Mary, pray with yeah. great love is more powerful. And it, yeah, th even if it's the last Hail Mary of the rosary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you went, and, I'm, and again, we're not at all encouraging discretion. Please no. fight that. But if you realize you have to avoid final it. Final Hail Mary. Yeah, avoid it. But if you... <laughs> oh, sorry. No, what was it? Did you saying? get a good... <laughs> distraction, No, yes. I got to say, yeah. So, was, my phone went so off. Put, your, just, put uh, your phone on airplane mode before your rosary. Yeah. And then... Um, and then, but even if... Because we're all going to be struggling with thinking about our to-do lists and our finances and our house falling down on us as we're praying or something. Yeah. Even if you spent 40... Your, all, the rose, all the Hail Marys up to the last one of the fifth decade... You realize, oh, goodness, I'm on the fifth sorrowful mystery, the crucifixion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ, the tenth Hail Mary on that. I've been entertaining distraction after distraction this whole thing. I'm sorry, but I'm going to pray this last one, really loving our Lord in his crucifixion and death, really loving our lady, so cognizant of my need for her intercession now and at the hour of my death and the death, interceding for the deaths of all. If you pray that with that love, that naturally flows from just acknowledging those realities for a moment, you can acquire the merit of that whole rosary right away.
by that love. Charity covereth a multitude of sins. That's scripture, right, Mark? I hope I hope I uh <laughs> I hope I'm right in, oh, sorry. in quoting that. <laughs> but, I have a but, problem of falling asleep but, during the rosary. <laughs> the ro- you might fall asleep during it. You might have to be <laughs> scolding your kids who are running around killing each other. <laughs> who knows? But just keep doing just don't give up. Don't give up. Fighting distractions, as long as you're not willfully entertaining them, if they're temptations, we don't answer for what temptations are externally foisted upon us by the devil or the world or the flesh or whatever. We answer for how our wills respond to that. So maybe God's will for you is to fight distractions the whole time. And as long as you're engaging in that fight, that's all that matters. And I'll, I'll give a tip, though. When, when you find that those distractions are overwhelming you, of course, the best thing is to just deeply contemplate and meditate upon the mysteries. But when you find those distractions really assaulting you, just redirect your focus to the words themselves that are coming out of your mouth. There is such glory in those words. Those will ground you in the, those, those will ground you in the mysteries that you're praying on. And that'll bring you back to the meditation. Our Lady in a message to uh, Simona, Our Lady of Zaro in Italy, and this is from October 26, 2022. She said, My children, be like sentinels, that is watchmen, waiting for the dawn. Be ready with the holy rosary in your hands. This is not an amulet, children, but a strong weapon against evil if you use it with love and faith. So that's Our Lady confirming there that the rosary, it's not a good luck charm. A lot of people wear it around their neck like it's like it's a good luck charm. They hang it around the mirror in their car and all these kinds of things. And and you know what? If that reminds you to pray the rosary, great. But don't think that it does anything beyond that. Because praying the rosary with love and with faith is what makes the rosary powerful. As Jesus said, faith even the size of a mustard seed. So let's just say that mustard seed is one Hail Mary prayed with great love. That is enough to move mountains, Jesus said. So um, it's a strong weapon then when we prayed in this way. And and I love what, what Pope John Paul II said, is that we're also not alone when we're praying the rosary. We're praying it actually with Our Lady. And he said, really, we're sitting, he said, the Christian sits at the school of Mary and is led to contemplate the beauty on the face of Christ and to experience the depths of his love. So when you're loving God and you're approaching through this rosary in faith, you're beginning an encounter with Jesus. And um, I think my rosary CD that I made years ago was called Through Her Eyes, A Journey to Jesus. Yeah, that's the title. Many many of you watching this prayed that rosary. You, you prayed it with me. Through Her Eyes, A Journey to Jesus. So through the rosary, says John Paul II, the faithful receive abundant grace as though from the very hands of the mother of the Redeemer. And no wonder, because as we know from Scripture, Mary was full of grace. And as we teach in the church, she's the mediatrix of grace. Now, let me just clarify. Jesus is the mediator, the one mediator between God and man. But you and I, as Daniel are right now, we are mediatrixes in some sense, mediating the grace of God by sharing to you the teachings of Christ. Hopefully the Holy Spirit is coming through this webcast. There's all kinds of ways that God can be mediating grace through Daniel and I. And who, there's no one who mediates grace more powerfully 
more preeminently in the church than Our Lady who was full of grace because it was through her that Jesus came and it is through her also that God is gathering his entire family, the entire body of Christ. So beneath the cross, we know this because beneath the cross, Jesus turned to John and he said, Behold your mother. And he turned to Mary and he said, Woman, behold your son. And it says from that moment on, John took her into his home. And so what we're doing with the rosary, I, I like to think of the rosary as is the hand of Our Lady. And I, I take that rosary and I grab her hand and I say, Mary, come into my home, come into my heart and pray with me that I can love Jesus more. Pray with me that I can enter deeper into the mystery of his life. And more than that, I say, Mother, I, I have concerns. I have my readers my viewers, the benefactors of my ministry, I, I'm bringing them to you. I'm bringing to you my children, my grandchildren, my son-in-laws. I'm bringing to you, uh, Mary, the souls in purgatory. And Mary, as the mother of God, prays with us. She still goes to Jesus and says, look, Mark Mark is offering his, his water. Can you transform it into wine now, Jesus? Here's Mark offering his five loaves and his two fish. Jesus, here it is. Here's the basket. He's placed it in the basket of my Immaculate Heart. And I now present it to you, Jesus, that you may multiply and and put your blessing upon his prayers. And so, amen. yeah, amen. We, we know as well, Daniel, we know that through the history of the church that literal battles, such as the Battle of Lepanto, there's another battle, I can't remember the name of it, were turned around when the Christians were highly outnumbered. And the Pope was back at the Vatican praying the rosary, and miraculously these battles were turned around. So we know, and and we we could t- we don't have time, but we could probably drudge up thousands of stories of how the rosary. And I'll just give you one. In my own home, when my kids, you know, it's noisy or there's been fighting, and where there's no peace in the home, Daniel, we've sat down and prayed the rosary, and 20 minutes later, peace that surpasses all understanding is in the home. Why? Because we began to pray the name of Jesus through the eyes of Mary and we journeyed to Jesus in his mysteries. The rosary is powerful. Yeah. There's really nothing it can't do. And if, you know, there's... Can't do the dishes, Daniel. I've tried. It it can, because you can (laughs) pray it while you're doing the dishes. And there you go. I, I I stayed with with a group of friars. I remember back when I was discerning. I stayed for a while with a, a Franciscan order, and they prayed a number of rosaries a day. But one of them was prayed each day while they were all doing the dishes. And that's the other thing about the rosary. You know, I recommend if if you if at all possible to pray at least one rosary a day, really just dedicated just to that, sitting sitting or kneeling around your living room. But also, there's absolutely nothing wrong with praying while walking, while driving, while doing something else. And some days, that's what, that'll have to be your daily rosary because it won't be possible maybe to sit down in your living room, but you pray while driving. Whatever, you just get it in there. Don't it, pray it can, Don't pray while you're on your phone, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, always put the phones away yeah, at least. Put the you phone know, to, away. And, and if, yeah, and, and you, you want to kind of hold on to those graces. And this is not going to be possible for everyone, but if you can kind of turn off all the electronics maybe before you pray your family, mm-hmm. rosary in the evening, and then hold on to those graces throughout the night. And then you want and then you go to bed with kind of the reverberations of those grace through your mind and soul. 
that's very powerful. If you can as if you can get as much of your day as possible with the bookends, with prayer, and without distraction in between them, that'll start to transform everything. But again, whatever you can do, you do it. And I want to also emphasize just how important the rosary is for just specifically what is said. Um, and because I, I, I think about this a lot, how what do we above all want for souls? We want them to get to heaven, right? We want them to be saved. That's at the end of the day, there's only two things that matter. Because everything pertaining to earth temporally, it's going to be gone. Because this mm -hmm. earth is temporary. But at the end of the day, we want souls to get to heaven. And of course, to build up, we want to build up as many treasures in heaven as possible. But in terms of getting to heaven, what is needed for that? Well, the magisterium is defined and scripture is clear. You need to be in a state of grace. You need to have repented of all grave sins. But if you look around the world, what do you see? You see the vast majority of people living lives of objective grave sin. In other words, treading the path to perdition. Now, I don't know about you, Mark, but I refuse to believe that God in his infinite mercy is going to let almost everyone be damned to hell for all eternity. I don't believe that. And that's not what the revelations have said. That's not what heaven's messages have said. And yet we have this apparent contradiction, don't we? Because it seems like almost everyone is walking the path to hell, as indeed they are. So how do we resolve this logically? It's actually quite clear. And Jesus tells this to St. Faustina and the servant of God, Luisa Picaretta, and many other mystics. Most people today, if they're saved, they're saved through the, mo the graces poured into their soul at the moment of death. Jesus tells Luisa, Luisa that's his daily catch. And don't wait for that moment if you're listening to this because you don't know what the details of that moment will be for you. Maybe you won't be able to repent then. But for most people today in this diabolical culture we're living in, if they're saved, it's through these graces of repentance at the moment of death. How does that happen? God wants all of us to participate in what he does in souls and his work of salvation. What do we do? 53 times at least in the rosary. We pray. We, we say, Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So when you pray the rosary, what you're essentially doing is you are participating in that daily catch of Jesus, his daily catch of souls at their moment of death. And unfortunately, if you wait until that long to repent, you'll have a lot of purgatory ahead of you. But at least if they get that repentance before they die, they'll at least be saved. And by praying the rosary every day, you are among the most powerful warriors on earth in making that happen, in helping Jesus to make that happen, in, in helping to be, along with Our Lady, a sort of mediatrix of grace, opening up their souls to accept that final outpouring of mercy that Jesus tells St. Faustina, he, even the most obstinate souls, he tries three times, and as long as there's even a flicker of goodwill, he'll allow, he'll, he'll allow that soul to be saved. But what, allows, what, what enables that to happen, especially our daily, daily, recitation of the rosary where we are repeatedly interceding for souls at the moment of their death so important and the truth is brothers and sisters that many souls are falling into hell in fact the the children of fatima had a vision in which they saw that people were falling into hell like snowflakes is how the children described it a, a, a horrifying vision but that's when our lady gave an addendum to the Hail Mary. So mm -hmm. in between the decades, we pray uh, after the 10 Hail Marys, Oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins and save us from the fires of hell. Mm -hmm. 
Lead all souls into heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. I tell you, when I pray that, I pray it first and foremost for me. (laughs) For me, a great sinner. And I ask Jesus, please save me. But we were taught by Our Lady. We were taught to pray that, to add that on for a reason. And it's because souls, so many souls are in perdition right now and risking mm-hmm. eternal perdition. And so and they Daniel- are falling into hell. I mean, that's, and I don't want to, yeah. I, I should clarify, I don't at all mean to say that there aren't souls falling in, there are souls falling into hell like snowflakes. That is, you cannot imagine a worse tragedy than the damnation of a soul. Jesus tells Louisa, I don't care about buildings. Did, wasn't everything destroyed during the flood? Louisa was lamenting mm-hmm. uh, during like some chastisement in, in the early 20th century about the destruction of churches and other great buildings. Jesus said that was all destroyed during the flood and it was all rebuilt. But if a soul is lost, that's forever. Mm-hmm. Nothing can give that back to me. That is what he weeps over. That is what we must weep over, the loss of souls. And if we, mm-hmm. if only we could be like those children at mm-hmm. Fatima, seven-year-old Jacinta, St. Jacinta, who dedicated her life to sacrifice and prayer after she saw a vision of souls falling into hell. We have to just constantly remind ourselves of that. That's what's at stake, eternity. But we can change that. We can actually, it's, it's incomprehensible with our prayers, especially our prayer of the rosary every day. We can attain the salvation of souls. Ponder that. Was, we really well, can change their eternity. Wasn't it at Our, at, uh, our Lady Medjugorje, the uh, apparitions in Croatia, the first seven apparitions were given a stamp of approval by the Ruini Commission as being supernatural in origin. So in those apparitions, Our Lady said that through the rosary, I believe it was through fasting and prayer, but she recommends a rosary, we could we could even stop wars. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the rosary has been, again, shown to be so powerful. And so we want to turn right now with the time left in the show to the messages uh, that Our Lady has given us uh, through various seers on the website. And that goes right back to the beginning of my introduction. We were really struck. I mean, it's so obvious Heaven just kept repeating over and over to us these messages and how important they are. So let's just quickly go through them. For instance, this one from Gisela Cardia on November 14th, 2020. Our Lady said, now is the time of true battle. <laughs> we can see it unfolding around us. And with the weapons of fasting and the Holy Rosary in your hands, fight together with me for the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. Beloved children, the times that will come will be terrible, but do not fear, because I and my Son will be close to you in the tribulation. Jesus will make the Holy Spirit descend upon you, just as he did with the apostles. Those children of mine who are the ambassadors and prophets of these times will suffer most of all. Do not leave them on their own. I I just want to stop there for a moment and point out Our Lady is saying, that the Holy Spirit will be poured out through fasting and prayer. And this has been something I've written about in the Now Word. And what Our Lady's been saying through, for instance, Father Stefano Gobi, the late Father Stefano, is to form prayer cenacles, which is another word for upper room. So when you're praying the rosary, you're praying with Our Lady that the Holy Spirit will descend on us. And she's saying, don't be afraid of these times of tribulation. Jesus will make the Holy Spirit descend upon you. So I believe that in these times especially, the grace of the Holy Spirit is going to be poured upon the church. 
There's another message from Gisela. If you can, you read it there on your screen, Daniel. Uh, you able to see? Yeah, it? if you if you scroll down just a little bit there. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah. So Gisela was told by Our Lady in September of this year, my children teach your children the recitation of the Holy Rosary. My children, I ask you to go through the world's streets to proclaim the gospel. Tell everyone that Jesus will soon return and that you must be prepared. So I really wanted to bring this up because this came up in our last webcast, and this was a very recent message then, but I wanted to get the kind of tie it into that here, where the rosary is essential to that proclamation that Jesus will soon return. And of course, we're not talking about the end of the world here. He's coming by way of the warning that's coming in grace. He's coming through, he will come of course to each soul at their death. He will come in many ways. The point is he is coming. And what does Our Lady say? We didn't focus on this in the last webcast, but what does Our Lady say right before that proclamation? Teach your children the rosary. They need to know. You need to pray it every day, and your children need to see that this is essential. They need this to become their own regimen of life, this daily recitation of the rosary. And the prayers of children are very powerful before God, the purity of their hearts, of course. Yeah. The, um, and that's why, it's, that's why the family rosary is so important, especially young children, especially those too young for, for sin to even be possible. The, uh, their prayers before God, they will be heard. And you need to get your children praying the rosary. It's okay. It'll be, it might, as, as we talked about earlier, it might be very difficult at first. But just the mere fact that you're trying, the mere fact that those words are coming out of your children, these little children's mouths, that is so precious and so powerful before God. And I think I said in the last webcast that with my own children, and I, you, people can make up their mind how they do it, but I introduced the rosary to my kids by praying a decade a day. So from Monday to Friday, we'd have the whole rosary prayed. And it also left time for me to, to read the scriptures at the supper table and read the gospel of the day and comment on it and, and teach the kids. And then as they got older, we went to the rosary every day. But Our Lady, again, in another message to Simona says, My children, pray. Pray the Holy Rosary is a strong weapon. There's that theme again. She calls it a weapon against evil. If recited with faith and love, the Holy Rosary can move mountains and move the heart of God. In another message to Angela, who also receives uh, uh, from the same, uh, it's this, these two girls, Simona and Angela, young ladies, I should say, both of them receive messages there in Zaro in Italy. And I, I love this because I always, again, I was telling you earlier, I think of the rosary as the hand of Our Lady, and I just cling to it. And to Angela, Our Lady said, hold the Holy Rosary tightly in your hands. And then showing the rosary she had in her right hand, Our Lady went on to say, this, this is your weapon against evil. Prayer is very strong weapon together with the sacraments. So Our Lady isn't saying, hey, just the rosary. She's saying, along with the Eucharist, along with confession where we're forgiven by God, feed on my son Jesus every day, those of us who can, of course. Please do not be caught unprepared. Hard times await you, and if you are not strong in faith, you will easily fall. And we can't stress this enough, Daniel and I, to you. You know, even if you don't pray the rosary, if you decide you're not going to pray the rosary, you must pray. You must have a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. 
remain in me and I will remain in you because without me, you can do nothing. And the harvest is coming when the, the, the vineyard keeper, the father, is going to come into the vineyard and all the dead branches are going to be collected. We're coming into this time of harvest. We can see the great sifting that's happening right now. The great division, as I wrote recently on one of my blogs, the two camps are forming, the camp of Christ and the camp of Antichrist. And don't be so certain that you can be lazy in your spiritual life and think you won't be deceived because many people have been deceived. We've seen it over the last three years, which is a, a whole other topic, but people have been deceived. They, they, right. they surrendered their autonomy, their bodily autonomy, their sovereignty. They turned a blind eye to what was going on in the world. And these are Catholics and Christians, and, and some of them need to hear this message, begin to pray with Our Lady and she says, when you do, it's going to be a powerful weapon for you, and you'll have the strength you need. Yeah, and it truly will be a weapon. And that's, please do all the things that, that, that prudence advises, certainly. But don't suppose that prudence will save you, because it won't. If you're thinking, I'll, I'll weather the storm that's coming by just doing a ton of research and figuring it all out, you're not going to figure it all out. Because guess what? At the minimum, the devil is way smarter than you. But he's not more powerful than Our Lady. So if you, if you at least make sure, absolutely sure, that you were in her camp, she will protect you because you don't have what it takes to protect yourself. But I want to focus for a moment here in a couple minutes we have left on this notion of the weapon that the rosary is. And the interesting thing here is that it's a weapon against evil. And what does that mean? It means that the evil recognize that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have it on your screen there, Mark, but there was a lot of you will have heard about this. This is from a few months ago, but this uh, leftist publication, very popular mainstream. Oh, uh, yeah, media, right. The Atlantic. They came out. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. They basically came out against the rosary. And this is a new, you know, they changed the headline a bunch of times because there was an outcry against. They, oh, yeah. There's the original one there. They tried to basically paint the rosary as this Christian nationalist extremist thing or something. It was not, it was utterly ridiculous. Yeah. But I would like to, and, and thank, thanks be to God, there was an outcry against this horrible article. And, they, and that's why they had to change his title a bunch of times in his picture. But actually, there's an element of accuracy in the inspiration for that article. Because the godless, the worldly, the modernists, they recognize how dangerous the rosary is to their plans. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, as, as, as diabolical, frankly, as this article is, in a sense, it's accurate. Because it's, it's kind of like the devil rebelling against what he realizes will be his defeat. And I'm not saying the guy, Daniel, Daniel Paniton or whatever, I'm not saying he's the devil or anything. But clearly, the devil's influence is very strong in certain circles. And that, I am sure, had a part to play in that article. This, this hatred, this visceral hatred of the rosary, which we see, as we talked about earlier in this, in this uh, webcast, with the demons quite literally uh, speaking against Our Lady and just frankly hating her. There's a similar kind of revulsion against the rosary. And we're going to see this revulsion against the rosary increasing in the secular world in the days ahead because the devil knows that his time is short and he knows how powerful a weapon the rosary is. So don't forget that it is a weapon. Uh, we're not talking about physical violence here, of course, and we're, we're certainly not advocating for that. This is a weapon in the spiritual battle, and it is probably among your most powerful weapons in the spiritual battle. So do not neglect it. And so with that, 
Why don't we close by listening to the words of John Paul II, who said that the Church has always attributed particular efficacy to this prayer, entrusting to the Rosary, to its choral recitation, and to its constant practice, the most difficult problems. At times when Christianity itself seemed under threat, its deliverance was attributed to the power of this prayer and Our Lady of the Rosary was acclaimed as the one whose intercession brought salvation. Today, I willingly entrust to the power of this prayer the cause of peace in the world and the cause of the family. I'm Mark Mallett. Thank you for joining us again. And on behalf of Daniel and I, just know that we're praying for you as we come up into Christmas. And please, say a beat or two for us. Absolutely. God bless you. God bless you.